Welcome to Two Rivers Leadership Podcast, a conversation about leading as a team because a great team is always better than great talent. everyone, welcome to the Two Rivers Leadership Podcast. My name is Will Hampton. I am the lead pastor here at Two Rivers. So glad that you're tuning in. We just got done walking through Q&A, and we are going to start a new series of podcasts now. We're going to go through seven different podcasts to talk about our kingdom culture. So we did the seven podcasts about our leadership culture. Now I want to talk about how we make decisions, how I process information. This is the DNA of who we are as a church, and this is really going to help people to think the way that I think and function the way that I function. So I'm going to read through the list of our kingdom culture items, and then I'm going to go back and we're going to spend today talking about being a life-giving church. That is our first kingdom culture component and we're going to talk about that today but let me let me go down through the list and then we'll we'll circle back around and hit all of these in future podcasts so the first kingdom culture is life-giving number two we are kingdom first we put god's kingdom first number three is that we are a book of acts lifestyle church we want to see every aspect of the early church active in the way we do life especially the supernatural work of the holy spirit Uh, Number four, we are designed for the unchurched. We intentionally design our environments and experiences for those who are not yet followers of Jesus. Number five, we're family-oriented with a focus on the next generation. We realize that the next generation is the most at risk of disconnecting with God and the church. And we're only ever one generation away from extinction as a church. So strategically, we are going to be family-focused or family-oriented with a focus on the next generation. Number six, it's not what we do, it's who we set into motion. Our primary role is to equip and release people into the work of the ministry. Jesus never focused on how many people attended his large events. He worked on building, really, 11 disciples who were then going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then number seven, There are no throwaway Sundays. We bring it every Sunday. We work hard to have fun. And the primary way we do evangelism is to create an atmosphere that's fun, flexible, and forgiving. We want to be a rocking house where people feel welcome. So we're going to bring it every Sunday because every Sunday somebody's going to be in the room that needs to know Jesus. So those are all seven kingdom culture values that that guide our decisions here at Two River Church. And if we're going to lead as a team, you're going to want to know these. You're going to want to incorporate them into your heart and into your spirit, especially as we think about multiplying into multiple locations. These are things that we really rally around and things that when you come from another church or you come from an unchurched background, you need to kind of sit in and camp around these ideas for how we're going to define what we do together at Two Rivers Church. So let's let's talk today about being a life-giving church. A life-giving church. The first time I heard the phrase life-giving church, it was like a bomb went off in my heart. I spent quite a few years during my master's degree. I, I got a master's degree in organizational leadership 
and I had to do my capstone project. I, I wrote a 70-page paper about uh, organizational assessment and how, to, how do we look at churches and the function. So, so I focused on church. I focused on how do we create quality in the church environment? How do we create a church that's going to be vibrant and growing? And so I started interviewing people. And I'd say, what, what was it that made you want to stay here at this particular church? And I'd go to different churches, and I'd ask them questions, and I kind of developed all these, these different uh, questions that I would ask people to help get their response. And most of the time, people would say, I don't know, it, this church just had it. it had, there was something about this church that, when I came, it had it. And I, and I just knew that this was the church for me. And most people really struggled to quantify what it was that this word it meant. They 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 couldn't, they kind of danced all the way around it, maybe. Uh, and then I would ask them why, I'd ask people why they left a church. Oftentimes I'd hear responses like, the music was too loud. The, you know, all, all the, they'd have, you know, the pastor, I wasn't being fed by the pastor. Um, just various kind of responses along those lines. And I started to really kind of try to line up these, these responses and quantify them. And then I started thinking about what is it that the church does? What are the deliverables of a church, uh, as an organization? How do we define these and, and categorize them for my capstone project? Well, as I walked through all of that content, as I, was preparing that material, um, I, I ran into this group called the Association of Related Churches. And the Association of Related Churches talk about being life-giving churches. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is, what, what, is, what is this? Talk to me a little bit more about what that means to be life-giving. And so they began to define what life-giving was. And here's, here's what it what the end result is, it comes from a study by this guy, Christian Schwartzman, who did analysis of thousands of churches all around the world in every culture, in every context, in every denomination. And what he came back and he found was if that what was consistent among all growing churches, that he could, he could give them a test in every single church, regardless of denomination, Regardless of the culture, they would all respond to these sets of questions in these categorical areas. There were eight different areas that he could measure a church in. And then based on the response of that, if they were above a certain number, he could determine if that church was growing or not. And so what he came back and said was that, in order for a church to be a growing church, it needs to be able to get a score higher than, I think it's 62, in each of those areas. And, and what he discovered was those eight areas were what combined together to create an environment that's life-giving. And so let me, let me break down that basic idea of what life-giving is. So sometimes you go to a church, and this is the it kind of idea, what, whether a church has it or not. When you go to a church and it feels a certain way, 
it has a feel that when you go and when, when you walk away, you feel like, okay, I experienced life today. I'm part of something that's adding to my life. Whereas when you are at a church that's not life-giving, somebody would describe that, well, the pastor's not feeding me, I'm not, the music's too loud, which I have found in those responses, when somebody says the music's too loud, music has almost never, ever been a deal breaker at a church, other than to say that that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Lots of people are at churches where they don't like the style of music. They don't even like the volume of the music. But they're receiving something from how the church is functioning, community and relationship and all of these other areas. And so what what they didn't get was what was really supposed to happen in the church world. They, they, they didn't get, they didn't meet with Jesus in a way that was going to be all-encompassing. So, so here's the way Jesus talks about this idea of life-giving and the way that Christian Schwartzman talks about this idea of life-giving because uh, a church, we actually don't make the gospel fruitful in your life. What we do as a church is, and as leaders in an organization, what we actually do is provide an environment where the gospel can be received. So the best way to think about this is in the parable of the sower of the seeds. The sower of the seeds goes out and he throws some seeds and and it hits this soil that's really rocky and the seed is immediately plucked up by the birds and they come and they they eat it and it never took root. Then it goes to some other soil and it takes root, but it was shallow. And so the sun comes along and it withers and it dies quickly. And then other seed is thrown, and it, it lands on this soil, and it begins to grow, and it takes root. But as it grows, there are thorns and weeds and things, and it chokes out that plant because uh, all, there's so many other things competing for its resources. And then finally, the fourth type of soil is this soil where the seed is scattered, and it lands on good soil, and it in that soil, it bears fruit 30, 60, or 100-fold. And so what our job is as a church, to the best that we can, is to provide this environment where there's good soil for people to receive the seed or the gospel in their life. This is why some churches do not grow and others do grow. Because the environments that they create are not conducive for the gospel to be transmitted into somebody's life. So what we find and what I have bought into, I am, this makes a ton of sense to me, that, that the environment that we create can be restrictive to the gospel or be beneficial to the gospel. This, that's a... Uh, what it, what it looks like in the word and the parable of sowers of the seed. And that's what we're experiencing at Two Rivers Church. In the last four and a half years, we've had over 1,200 people commit their lives to Christ as they've come into our environment. And they are experiencing this place that's kind of fertile for the gospel. And they're responding to that gospel in record ways. 
So here's, here's what the characteristics of a life-giving church are. If we were going to measure, in fact, we've done this multiple times at Two Rivers Church. We've actually had the assessment done. We've taken the surveys. We send it in. We get the results back. And here's the where areas that we're being measured in. Number one, we are being, uh, and, and before I get into these, each one of these areas, each one of these eight areas, like I'll, I'll tell you each area and, and then I'll go back and give the descriptive to it because every church has leadership. Every church has ministry. Every church has spirituality. Every church has structures. Every church has worship. Every church has groups. Every church do some type of evangelism and has relationships. Those are all eight areas. What's important about each of these eight areas is this descriptor word, this adjective that comes in front of this word leadership. Number one is empowering leadership. Churches that are life-giving have leaders who are empowering. The leader's goal is not to control everything. The leader's goal is to raise up other people who are going to function in and do the work of the ministry. So what makes a church life-giving is not that a church has leadership, but that the church has empowering leadership. And so that's that's really a, a, a characteristic that every leader has to get their mind around. Am I an empowering leader? Am I giving people opportunities to function in and grow? And we'll talk about that more in our kingdom culture. And we've talked about that a lot in our in our leadership culture, seven traits of leadership culture. But but we're going to talk about that a lot more as we talk about this idea as a church that it's not what we do, it's who we set into motion. That's kingdom trait number six. So so life-giving churches are number one, we have empowering leadership. Number two is that all churches have ministry, but is the ministry gift-oriented? Like at Two Rivers Church, we like to say we don't allow volunteers. We only want you to function in your gift. I want you to say no to everything that is not your gift. And I want you, because you're going to be taking somebody else's job. You're taking someone else's responsibility. And we have this crazy idea that Jesus said, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said he would build his church. And then he gives each one gifts for the building up of the body. What if as a pastor and as a team, our only function was to discover your gift and help you to function in it? And then what would happen in that is I'm not in the way of Jesus. I'm not in the way of Jesus building his church. I'm partnering with Jesus to do my function, which is to help believers discover their gifts and then function in those gifts. So we have to build our strategies around letting Jesus build his church. So the the number three characteristic of a life-giving church is that we have have spirituality, but the adjective that comes with that is exciting spirituality. Now, the way this is defined in Christian Schwartzman's little handbook, it's probably not a better way to describe it. What this comes down to is in the worship environment, sort of as we kind of gather together, exciting spirituality really is translated as fun. 
The only that's the best descriptor people had from it is they're engaging in the relationship with Jesus and it's fun. There there's something about their relationship with Christ that is has become exciting. It's become something that is great. So so if we're going to engage people, that's what again we think I think about this idea of a book of Acts lifestyle. We're going to step out in faith. You're going to, we're going to have this worship environment that's bumping and jamming. And we're going to have all these things that are, that are going on because people need to engage in exciting spirituality. We're not just uh, like I, the reverse of this, what I think about is sort of the monks were in a monastery and then kind of be flogging themselves every time something went wrong. It's like, okay, how many people want to sign up for that? I'm like, oh, I'm not in on that. I'm not down for that. That doesn't even sound right. It doesn't sound like Jesus. I never saw that from Jesus. So, so we're going to have exciting spirituality. Number four, every church has strong structures, but are they functional structures. So a good way to think about this is how do we assess what we need to kill? Most churches have structures that have kind of been in place and they've been in place for 50 years and they've never killed the thing that needs to die. And it's hard because somebody came in and they accepted Christ through that, whatever that thing is. And now we're not seeing the same return that we used to see 20 years ago, 40 years ago, maybe even five years ago. So how do we, how do we kill those things? What needs to die? And, and a church cannot be healthy if it's, think about a body. Think about your body. If you have cancer in your body, and it starts sucking up resources, and it starts sucking up. Look, what has to happen to that cancer? It has to be killed. It has to be caught out of your body, or eventually that cancer will kill you. It is the same. There's no actual function for that cancer in your body. It's depleting your resources. Your body's spending energy trying to attack it, and it needs to be removed. And that is what needs to happen in churches. Somebody has to be able to kill things. Somebody has to be able to say, hey, we've done that before. We looked at it. We assessed it. And now we're not going to do that again. Here's why. And if churches can't do that, they cannot be life-giving. Churches, number five, is inspiring worship. We all worship. Is our worship inspiring? And this kind of goes back to this idea of fun again. It's this inspiring worship. And I'll tell you, th- look, so many churches get hung up here and you got to understand me and really be clear about this. When I talk about inspiring worship, we could be doing liturgical services and the way we do that, if people walk away saying, yes, I have been connected to the creator today. Look, we could be doing Gregorian chant. It is not about guitars. It's not about drum sets. It's not about lights. It's not about any of that stuff. All of those things are designed to help us create an environment where people can experience an inspiring worship. Did When I walked away from, from the church gathering, 
Was I ready to run through a wall for Jesus? Was I ready to go take the hill? Was I ready to die more? Was I ready to to give my finances? Was I, look, all of those questions revolve around this that I was inspired to serve God more, to worship him with every aspect of my life. And so the guitars, look, don't get stuck on the methodology. There are churches that are growing that are liturgical churches. There are churches that are growing that don't sing songs with instruments. There are churches that are growing that have a rock and roll concert with lights and lasers and smoke and all kinds of that in and so it all <laughs> revolves around, those are all functions of, people get caught up like, we need more lights and lasers, or we need more graphics, and we need, look, that's not what, I don't believe that's what helps a church to grow, unless all of those things combine together to create inspiring worship. I've been in plenty of places where they've got all the lights, they got the video screens, they got the smoke, they got all that, and I look around the room and nobody's singing nobody's engaged in worship. Nobody is participating. And so they missed the boat. They probably spent a million dollars on all that stuff. And people are sitting around like bumps on a log. And, and they told, cause they didn't understand. They thought it was about some type of like, we're going to spend all this money. Cause we saw some other church down the street do that. And they didn't understand that what they were trying to do was create an environment where there's inspiring worship. They, they, they did all of that and missed what this life-giving characteristic is. So number number six is holistic groups. And what that means is that uh, holistic is groups for every type of way of getting together. So, so this is kind of like the old YMCA idea that the YMCA was built to minister to the whole man. You could get physically fit, spiritually fit mentally fit and emotionally fit that's sort of the way our groups need to be we need to be ministering to every aspect of a person's life so that they can have community they can have fun they can go like christians need to be able to go to the movies together like there's a movie group for that there's a group for that really we say it this way at two rivers there's a group for that so if 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 you are looking for the opportunity to connect and get together uh there needs to be a group for freedom from sexual addiction there needs to be a group for freedom with your finances there needs to be a group that allows you to get together and talk about relationships in your marriage there needs to be a group that gets together to talk about parenting there needs to be a group and keep on going and going and going and this is oftentimes when we talk about gift oriented ministry this is probably where most people will be able to express their gift in a group setting because probably in the church for the, the person whose giftedness, they're looking around like, I don't know what my gift looks like. And once you get into that next lunch and then you go through the, the gift discovery process, oftentimes we find that people's passions aren't having to do with like, wow, I want to make sure that we have a video that's going to be awesome on Sunday morning. I want to make sure that our web page is amazing. What most people have a passion for is like, I, I got a thing for teenagers, and when I was a teen, I went off the rails, and I want to help teenagers come to know Jesus. And guess what? There's a group for that. So go, and so, so doing groups just one way is a mistake. We need to make sure that we have 
holistic groups. And the way we say holistic groups at Two Rivers, we say it like this, free market groups, free market groups. Everybody gets to kind of choose how they do it. And we're, we're actually going to be doing four group cycles. We were doing three semesters or trimesters, I guess you call it. Now we're going to do uh, quadmesters. So I don't know how to say whatever four is in a year. Um, when moving on, number seven is this idea that every church has evangelism. Does the church do need-oriented evangelism? Need-oriented evangelism. That we're going to connect with people and do evangelism in a way where we're meeting the needs of people. So we see Jesus, he's coming and he, he, he's doing the Sermon on the Mount, or maybe, or maybe he's out in the wilderness, and uh, he tells his disciples, hey guys, I want you to feed all these people. And the disciples freak out, like, Jesus, we can't do that, It'd take a year's worth of wages. And Jesus is trying to use that opportunity to demonstrate who he is, but there's also this really simple function that Jesus is feeding people. In the end, Jesus, multiple times, when he gets together with the disciples, what does he do to show them who he is after he rose from the dead? And they're out fishing, and they come back, and they've caught them, this catch of fish and confirms, like, oh, man, there's all this fish. And then what's Jesus got? He's got breakfast, cooking on a fire. Jesus likes to kind of meet us where we're at. I don't see Jesus meeting people like, Come over here, dude. And he's, he goes where people are at, meets their needs, provides for them in a very tangible way. Healing, restoration, all those options are available. And again, this is going to happen. Needs-oriented evangelism is going to happen oftentimes in a group. All right, then number uh, eight. This is the last one of the characteristics of a life-giving church. And I'll talk about a little, couple of functions of that really quickly. Uh, but we have a church is measured on its relationships, and this last one is loving relationships. Do we have loving relationships? The best way to describe this or think about this, do people want to hang out outside of church? Are people inviting other people to go places and chill together? Do people want to show up when somebody has a... Uh, there's, aunt and uncle in the hospital or a grandmother or somebody passes away do people come around them rally around them show them love and support do you actually have loving relationships are we moving closer together this is kind of like this idea of intimacy there needs to be some some level of intimacy in the church you could have so now we look at all of these eight ideas these eight characteristics of a life-giving church and we can actually measure and improve in, like, so if you think about a barrel of water, if there were, if there's a hole in the barrel, the height of the hole in the barrel determines how much the barrel can hold. Does that make sense? So if you're pouring water into a barrel and the, there's a hole in the barrel halfway up in the barrel, guess what? That barrel's not going to get any fuller than halfway. So what we need to do is we need to know, hey, we've got to plug that hole there. And then if there's another hole higher up. So the first thing that we would do as a church in a life-giving church is find out where we're functioning the poorest at, where are we functioning the least effectively. 
in creating those environments, and then plug the holes. As we begin to do that, then the church will grow all by itself. The farmer scatters the seeds, and he don't make the seeds grow. That's up to God. God makes the seeds grow. What the farmer does is he maintains the soil. He takes the rocks out. He turns the soil over. He kind of makes makes where there's no more weeds. And he so he walks away, and the gospel springs up all by itself. And that's why when I think about how a church grows, I don't think about, well, because we had this awesome worship team, or, or it's because we have the, this amazing preacher, or, or it's because we have this great, and great building that we're in. All those things can help. But what's really supposed to happen is those things are really coming together to help us just develop in these areas, this area of empowering leadership, gift-oriented ministry, exciting spirituality, functional structures, inspiring worship, holistic groups, need-oriented evangelism, and loving relationships. If we do good in those eight areas, we're going to grow. The, the gospel does the work all by itself. We don't, look, God is more interested in the church growing than we are. Sometimes, pastors, we need to get our minds wrapped around this idea that God is way more concerned with his church than you are. And so, leaders, when we create the right environment, this life-giving environment, in fact, it's how we even talk to people. We can talk to people in life-giving ways. So when, when it's time to do discipline, we do discipline redemptively. We do discipline. So, so this word life-giving went off like a bomb in my heart because that was, it was like I was trying to write this 70-page paper and, and I had all of this content. And then I heard this phrase and I was like, oh man, I had 70 pages and I could have condensed it down into two words, life-giving. And a life-giving church will grow. And that's what we want to do as a church, what we want to do as a leadership team. So let's function together. Let's make sure that we're life-giving in all of our interactions. There's a lot of phrases. Let me give you a couple of practical takeaways that every person on your team needs to hear from you. The first phrase that every person on your team needs to hear from you is, I need you. I need you. Tell your team members that you need them. Humble yourself. Like, you're not going to get it all done without them. Like, I need you. Then, Number the second phrase, life-giving phrase is thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. John Maxwell says that people are wearing a sign that says, encourage me. Encourage me. Go around, tell them I appreciate you. Like send a send an email to somebody. Send an email publicly. Publicly tell people thank you. I can't do this without you. You're amazing. You guys are awesome. Give them some of those. So just load your lips with phrases. If we, I tell our host team when people come through the doors, give, tell them something awesome about what they're wearing. Encourage them, t- compliment them. Tell them like, hey, Bogdan, that's an awesome hat you're wearing right there. That's, that's great, man. I pr- this, you look fantastic with that. People love it because we get just, there's something that starts going in. There's a deposit that goes in. And when they walk away, they're going to know I've been encouraged. I've been lifted up. I've been built up. And so we can, as leaders, we can be empowering leaders, and we can create an environment that's life-giving. That's our first kingdom culture. That's how I think about church growth. So when we go to conferences, if you go with me to, to different network things and go to different places, 
I have bought into this totally and completely. I am so bought into this idea of a church being a life-giving environment. That's the function of what we do. So if you get all up in arms about the next crazy wave of whatever it is, I will assess that through whether or not it's life-giving, whether or not we can have exciting spirituality or whether we have inspiring worship or whether that lines up with our cultural value to have gift-oriented ministry, all those kind of things. That's how I process that information. If you want to talk to me about stuff, you want to kind of influence me or help shape the direction so that we can get to our vision, it's going to be through that lens that a church creates an environment that's life-giving and it will grow all by itself if we're able to accomplish those things. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully that this week will give you a little peek into the way I think and the way we are going to think together as a church. And I hope that you can take something away from that. Maybe someday you'll plant your own church and you'll go build a life-giving church. God bless you. Look forward to hanging with you next week. Hey, so I'm so glad that you tuned in and listened to this podcast. If you have any questions or any comments, I would love to hear from you and get any feedback that you might have or, or uh, comments that you might add to this discussion. You could email pastor at tworiversassembly.com. That's T-W-O, riversassembly.com. And, and just share with me what your thoughts are. Maybe something that I talked about that you you might be confused by or something that you want some clarification or maybe you you want to challenge some of the ideas that we've presented and I'd love to be able to kind of sit down with you and talk through those things and and hear what this impact is making in your life. God bless you. Have a great week.